0: Welcome to Grace Life Church podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website gracelife.com.au. We're at the end of a series called Coming Soon. It's a series on eternity and uh, we've we've looked at a whole stack of different things. I think last week you 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 looked at heaven. And what heaven is going to be like the week before that, it was hell. What is hell going to be like the week before that? It was um, what happens when we die, judgment, all of these different things. And I would encourage if you have missed any of those uh, messages, to go back to our website, get the podcast, listen to what's been spoken. Uh, And I know there's been some great teaching over the last couple of weeks, but what I feel to do this morning is not necessarily teach, but to bring into a kind of... uh, gather all together and say now what do we do as a result of what we have heard because we, we can sit in chairs and hear messages that inspire or challenge or give us information that, that help us to know okay there is a heaven there's an eternity all these different things but if nothing changes in your life as a result of that all you've done is just get a bit more information and we're not we don't need more information we need transformation We need our lives to be transformed and conformed to the image of Christ, which is why we come together. It's not to just get more information, it's to to be transformed, to become more like Jesus so that we can represent him in this world. And so this morning I want to kind of bring everything together and uh, speak about, I think John, Pastor John alluded to it last week, but um, hopefully we have a little bit of fun but also it makes us think about, okay, how do I live now? with the reality of eternity. Give me a wave if you're, a, if you're a, a camper, if you like camping. Okay, there's a few. There's this saying, right? It, what is it? Happy camper. Is that even possible? I know some people like camping. Oh, I'm not a camper. Maybe a glamper. Maybe, yeah, come on. Where are my people at? where there's a spa bath or there's like a jacuzzi or something, that's, that's my type of camping. But camping in the bush with spiders and snakes and all sorts of other stuff, like I'm like, why would you do that? That's just crazy. But one of the most uh, annoying and frustrating things about camping is putting up a tent. Come on. Who actually enjoys putting up a tent? All right. Can we just get the keys right now? I need some ministry time here. We're going to deliver some people. Setting up a tent. I can't think of anything worse than setting up a tent. you got like poles and pegs and zips and all sorts of stuff, and, and there's no instructions, and you've got to kind of put it all together. Actually, I can think of something worse than putting up a tent. It's putting up a tent with someone else. Have you ever tried putting up a tent with someone else? I think the, the closest uh, that my wife and I have ever come to, to actually breaking up was when we had to set up a tent together. Because when you set up a tent with someone else, you can't hide who you are. Everything comes out. All the ugly stuff that may get pushed down, it all starts to come out. I actually think that it should be be part of premarital counselling. It's like you do a session on communication, you do a session on finances and how that looks, and then you got to put a tent up. Because you can't hide who you are when you're putting up a tent. We went away once. We were in Kalbarri and we were trying to put up a tent. And we were trying to put up a tent when it was a windy day. And stuff was flying everywhere. There were poles flying everywhere. There were pegs flying everywhere. There were words flying everywhere. There were tears flying everywhere. We were, there was stuff just going everywhere. But that tent wasn't getting anywhere. I do not like setting up tents. But I am so grateful to God that he invented something called a pop-up tent. One of God's greatest inventions and greatest gifts to mankind is what we call a pop-up tent. It's all in here, people. Now, this is what's supposed to happen. It's wrapped on my leg. I could have just flown out then. What's supposed to happen is I just let go of this. Last time I did this, it didn't go too well. Might need a PR team. Emergency response team. And it just set... Whoa! It just sets up itself. Just kind of pops up itself. thank you I obviously didn't practice that but it just sets itself up how good is that saves all of the tears saves all of the so I could probably go camping in this that would be alright get these pigs out of the way be a bit of fun now let me ask another question who actually lives in a tent no shame you do Anyone live in a tent before I say this? <sighs> no one lives in a tent. Unless you're a tent person and you live in a tent. But most of us don't live in a tent because a tent is only a temporary dwelling. Yeah. A, temp is, a tent is where we, we, we set up when we want to go somewhere for a little bit of time. Yeah. Not when we want to live somewhere. I say that because when we, when we, when we consider the reality of eternity... The life that we've been given is like a tent. It's a temporary dwelling. It's not a permanent fixture. It's not what God has given us to, to live in forever. But we can become so fixated on the tent that we miss the reality of eternity around it. You see, I can get my tent and I can, I can think, you know, I want to set my tent up. I want to have the best tent in tent land. So I'll get my my pillow and my blankie because I just want to be comfortable in my tent and I can think that my whole life is about getting comfortable in my tent and I can, I can order from um, eBay a TV. Can I please order a TV? Is there a TV come? Oh, thank you, Oh, no, nah, that's a bit small. You want a can I get a bigger TV? Yeah, sure. The tent across the road has a big TV. And if they walked past and saw my TV, they would laugh at me. But see, I see, I can do this with life is that I can get so comfortable with my tent and think that it's all about my tent and I just got to kind of get my tent. You know what? I'm, re- I'm actually writing a book. Can we put that slide up, please, Trevor? This is the title of my book living your best tent now. It's about making the most of your tent, living the best tent that you can live because what else is there to life about your tent? But what happens is you laugh, but we get so caught up in the tent world, we get caught up in living in our little tent, which, you know, seems like... (coughs) Sorry, it's a bit stuffy in here. Is there a fan? Can I get a fan, please? We start living in this tent as if this tent was all there is. And from my perspective, I can see the end of the tent. It's all I can see. In fact, when I'm in my tent, that's that's what my reality is. But from your perspective, you can see more than the tent. You can see beyond what I see. And when God looks at our lives, he looks at us beyond the tent. You see, this to me is the end. But we would know that as Christians, that even death is not the end. It is an end, but it's not the end. Beyond this, there is much more, much, much more. And God would have us consider that this morning. I'm going to read from Colossians 3, verse 1. Is it on the screens? I can't actually see. Is it? Colossians 3. Yeah? I can't breathe in here. Okay, it says, since you have been raised... Is that a big TV? Just leave it at the doorstep. Thanks, Paul. Fantastic. Can't wait to play my PlayStation on that. Colossians 3, verse 1, it says, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the reality of heaven, where Christ sits in the places of honor, in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in His glory. Paul writes to the church, and he says to them, you guys have got to change your thinking. Your thinking, your mind, and your heart is set on what is in this world what you can see what you can touch what you can taste but he says don't think about those things instead set your sights on the realities of heaven think about the things of eternity not just the things of earth for you died to this life and your real life is hidden with christ can i say if you're a christian here this morning the death that matters already happened Your death, the one that matters, already happened. The next one, the physical one, it's just commentary. When you died to Christ, your old life went. And the new life that you have now, you are called to live in Him and with Him. What's Paul saying to the church? He's saying, Get your head out of the tent. Stop just thinking about what happens in this little tent. Because it's not going to be here forever. And the more you invest into it, the more you pour into it, the more it becomes your focus. I'm not saying don't look after your life. I'm not saying to, to, you know, don't do anything with your life. But I'm saying when that becomes the focus, when my eyes are set on that, I get stuck in this shortened reality. And God says to us, get your head out of the tent. Consider that there is so much more to eternity than just what you see in that tent. I want to share a, a, just a quick pathway that we see in Scripture in the way that God would call us to live in the way that God would call us to think. It goes like this, eternal, internal, external. When we read Scripture, we see that the biggest amount of, of perspective that God calls us to have is given to the eternal things, to consider that, hang on a second, there's much more to life than, than just here, the here and now. And then we see there's a pathway that goes, when you consider eternity, then you need to look internally, because God's, con- God's concern is more about what's happening in your heart, what's happening in your life, than what's happening around you. And then he calls us then to focus on the external. So eternal perspective shapes my internal person, which then influences my external world. The world has it the wrong way around. We give so much focus to the external. Man, I'm just going to get a tent lift so my tent looks better. We give so much attention to the external things and, and it's just starting to change maybe that people are thinking, oh, hang on a second, if I, if I do something with my life, like I have to look at who I actually am and work on the internal. But how much thought is actually even given to the eternal? In, in your workplace, in the conversations that you have in schools, how much attention is given to the eternal matters, to eternal perspective? And so we get what we've got, which is a world that is consumed with itself and with the external material things that we can have, things that we can do. But God calls us to to expand our thinking in light of eternity. What are you going to do with the little tent that you've been given? Because this actually does matter. And this tent and how you use this tent can affect where someone else spends eternity. It can affect someone else's tent It can affect someone else's life. So it does matter. There was this bumper sticker. Jesus is coming. Look busy. (laughs) I'm selling those after the service, $5 each. (laughs) Chuck one on your car. He's coming. Look busy. There's this fascination with busyness in our culture as well. That in order for me to serve God, I have to be busy. I just got to be doing stuff. I got to do a lot of stuff. I just got to keep doing stuff because that's what God expects of me is that I would do stuff. But I want to say this morning that, that it's less about busyness and it's more about His business. Because at the end of the day, every one of us is going to have a tent inspection where the inspector is going to come and say, What did you do with your tent? What did you do with, the, with what I gave you? What did you do with the gifts and the talents and, and, and the time and the energy and the love that I gave you? And we're going to have to give an account for our tent. And this one, I'm in trouble. But every single one of us is going to have to give an account for the tent that we live, the life that we live. And so I, 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 I implore you today to consider living outside of your tent. To consider not just getting stuck in the tent, not in the life that it is now, and getting consumed in, in, in things that don't really matter. Because busyness is, is one thing, but I, I'm concerned that the church can get busy doing things that God isn't calling us to do and neglecting the things that He has called us to do. Can we read that scripture, please, Trevor, from 1 Corinthians 3? got it because of god's grace to me i have laid the foundation like an expert builder now others are building on it but whoever is building on the foundation must be very careful for no one can lay a foundation other than the one we've already have jesus christ anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials gold silver jewels wood hay or straw but on judgment day Fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burnt up, then the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. There will be a time when everyone has to give an account for their lives. This was written to Christians. This was written to believers, people who follow Jesus. And Paul says to them multiple times in his writings that you're going to give an account for your life. You're going to stand before God and, and he's going to ask the question, what did you do with what I gave you? What, what did you build? What, 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 what Show me the tent. Like, what, what was it? Every one of us. That, for, for a believer, that, that judgment is not about salvation. Let me say that. It's not about your salvation. It's not about punishment or penalty for your sin. That has already been dealt with. Jesus, Jesus is a just and fair judge. And he would not call you to pay the penalty for something that he has already paid for. It's not about salvation. But it is about what we did with what he gave us. And that's the question that we've got to ask ourselves. What am I doing with what God has given me in light of eternity? I'm not here for a long time. So what am I going to do? How are you building Paul says, I'm I'm an expert builder, I'm a master builder, and I use different materials for building. What are you building your life with, and what are you building others' lives with? Can I say something in that as well? He says, uh, what will be burnt up is dependent upon the material that was used to build. There is no mention in there about the quantity of what you do. It's the quality It's not that you have done this and you've done that and you've got this resume and there's so many different things that you've done. It's the quality of what you have done. What's the substance? What's the material? We can get real busy doing stuff. We can get busy, look, look, busy, Jesus is coming. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be doing stuff because the opposite is also true where we see uh, believers who are kind of just chilling out. Camping chair Christians... So I'm saved. Got my tent good. I'm just going to kick back. Chill out. Come to church on Sundays. Sit in my camping chair. Enjoy. Praise and worship. So good. Living my best tent right now. I'm an expert at napping. I've studied it. I could do a doctorate on it. They say if you love something, learn about it. I love napping. I could tell you a couple of stories about napping if you want a tip. If you want to have a quick power nap, put your keys in your hand. Put your hand on the side of the chair. Close your eyes. When you start to fall into a deep sleep, your body relaxes, the keys drop and wake you up. I also love coffee, I thought maybe I could partner the two things together, coffee and naps. Sounds crazy, but it works. There's a science behind it. It takes about 17 minutes for the caffeine to affect you. So if you can scull a coffee, fall asleep immediately, within 17 minutes you'll wake up very rested, with a lot of energy. (laughs) I'm an expert on napping. I could tell you a few other things, but for time's sake, I won't. But what I do want to say is this. The church has got to wake up. We've got to wake up. Can I play a prophetic word that I feel the, the Lord is saying to us as a church? Can I just play that, please, Trev? <laughs> Thus saith the Lord, wake up. We gotta wake up. Power naps. Think about power naps. I'm gonna use that word, power naps. Do you know what? There's power in the people of God. The Holy Spirit is resident in you, which means you carry power. You carry the power that this world needs to be transformed. You carry the power that this world needs for healing, for transformation. You, You carry the power that this world needs for restoration. And we're having a power nap, we're asleep. When the power that the world needs is in us. Let me tell you a story. There was a, there was a pastor that went over to Africa. His name wasn't Josh Fernandez. It was a different pastor. He went over to Africa and he looked at, at, the, at the, uh, the people that he was working with in Africa and he said, you know, we really need to help these guys. And one of the practical things he wanted to do for them was to get them a, a, um, like a jeep because he said they have to go and travel so far to get water. They have to go and get water. They have to go and go, go hunting, so we're going to get them a, a, a jeep. He goes, comes back to to his church and says, we need to get these guys a jeep. They need this to go and get water, to go and get food and hunt, and they just need this jeep. And then he comes back to Africa, and he brings this jeep, and he gives it to the chief of the village. And he says to the the chief of the village, "This this jeep is for you so that you can go and get hunt, and you can go and get water. We want to bless you. Take the jeep. He goes away, and he comes back a couple of years later, and he sees the jeep in the middle of the village. And he, he's like, oh, that's a strange place to park a Jeep. And the Jeep is pretty much clean. And he goes up to the chief and he says, Chief, how's the Jeep going? Are you, you, know, are you taking it out? Are you, you, you catching more? Is it helping with the water? And the chief goes, no. And he says, why not? He says, we don't drive the Jeep. That's my African accent. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I am so sorry. Bear with me. I'm not good with the accents. We don't drive the Jeep. And he says, why don't you drive the Jeep? And he says, the Jeep is too pretty. We don't want the Jeep to get dirty. So we leave the Jeep there. And he goes, well, what do you do with the Jeep then? And he goes, we look at it. We, we sometimes we sit in it. Oh, we love the leather seats. They are so good, the leather seats. And they have the button. They go whoop, whoop. We love the seats. And he goes, you sit in it, and you use the seats. But what do you do with the jeep? He goes, well, pastor, when visitors come from other villages, we show them the jeep. We're so proud of the jeep. And we say, you should get in our jeep. And they sit in the jeep. And they love the seat. They love the seat. The leather is so good, pastor. There is power in the center of this community. And we might just sit there and watch and think, Oh, that's a nice Jeep. But God says, here are the keys. Get in the Jeep and start to activate what God has put in you to change eternity for others. There is power in your life. God has put power in you. Here's two things I just want to leave you with. When it comes to building, there's two things that are clear in Scripture. When it comes to that day of judgment... The the material is going to be tested. The substance with which you have built will be tested. Here's two things that I can see in Scripture that will withstand the fire and the testing. The first thing is this, obedience. Obedience. How have you obeyed Him? How have you listened to Him and done what He called you to do? And you are obedient only to what He has spoken to you, not to the person sitting next to you. You, you, you will be called to account to, to give uh, account for what you have done with what He's called you to do. If you walk in obedience, you will build the way He calls you to build. Can I also say this? When it comes back to us thinking, you know what, if I do, if I just keep doing and I, I add this and I do this and I do that, and, and because I'm busy or because I'm doing stuff, then I think that I'm building. You know what, sometimes that changes in seasons, the type of work you can do, changes in seasons, maybe a, a young mother with, with, with little ones. I can't do the same things that I was doing for Jesus before. Or as you get older, I don't have the same energy. I can't, I can't do some of the same things that I used to do before. The type of work and, and, and the amount of work, those things are seasonal, they're situational, they're circumstantial at times. But what is not is obedience. Obedience is not circumstantial, it's not situational, it's not based on your season in life. Obedience is, is whatever God says to you in that season, in that circumstance, in that situation, you say yes. Because if we look at, I've got to do this type of work because Gary's doing that, and I've got to follow Gary, and Gary does, knows what he's doing, then I add that and I do this. Obedience is what God is looking for. He's not looking for busyness, he's looking for fruitfulness, and fruitfulness is the result of Obedience. Because he blesses what he calls you to do. He graces you for what he calls you to do. You have no idea what is on the other side of your yes. You got no idea what could happen on the other side of your yes. But God calls us to obey what he says. Imagine I'm going house sitting. Uh, I'm going house sitting. I'm going on a, a, a trip around Australia, Gil, for four weeks. Is that right? Four weeks four months okay I'm just going to say for weeks because I don't think I could do four months I'm going around Australia for four weeks and uh, we get a house sitter come and look after our house while we're gone not Ellen Ellen's a fantastic house sitter I'm not going to look at you in case you feel like bad because of stuff you did when you house sat because you didn't do anything bad Shouldn't have even said that. But we get a house sitter, and the house sitter's not that great, but we give the house sitter some directions. And we say, when we're away, can you please do these things? Can you please feed the dog? Because it's quite important. If you don't feed the dog, the dog might starve. And we say, on, you know, on what night does our bin go out? Sunday night, I obviously don't put the bin out, on Sunday night the bins have to go out and we've got this little list of things to do and, and you can just please look after the house and then we go away for four weeks and we come back and as we're going up the driveway we see that the dog is malnutrition. Dog looks like it's going to fall over, dog hasn't eaten. But we said on the list to, to make sure you feed the dog, we notice that the bins are overflowing. There's stuff everywhere. But we sit on the list to make sure that you empty the bins. And we say to the people who are house-sitting, well, what happened? What, did, did you not read the, the list that we gave you? And they say to us, yeah, we read that list. That was fantastic. You put so much detail in that. There's no way we could have gone wrong. So you read the list. Yeah, we read the list. We read the list. We, we, we know what you said on the list. Actually memorized it. I've memorized part of that list. I could recite part of that list. I wake up in the morning and I pray that list. I see the list that you, you, you give. It. So you, you know what the list is. Yeah, we know the list. We had life group. We got people over and we read the list. And we said, you know, what would it look like if we took the bin out? Can you imagine what it would look like if we fed the dog? And Mary, Mary is really good with Greek. So she looked at the Greek word for feed the dog. You would be amazed what it means. We had life group. We, 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 we had the instructions. We knew what you were saying. But what did you do with those instructions then? Well, I loved those instructions so much, I took it to Office Works and got a book made out of it. I even put a leather cover on that book. And it stays on my coffee table. So whenever anyone comes over, they ask, what's that book about? Tell them about the time we house that for you. Don't be like that with the instructions and the the call of God. I could memorize it. I can tell you what it is in Greek. Live it out. Be obedient to what God calls you to. Obedience is what he's looking for. Here's the other substance. I'll finish with this. It's the substance of love. Scott, that's too easy to love. It's too simple. Colossians 3, we read from this just before. Paul says... To, to consider eternity, to get, you, get your head out of the tent, and this is what life is going to look like. Uh, in verse 12, he goes, Since God's, God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love which binds us all together in perfect harmony. I read before from 1 Corinthians 3. Later on in 1 Corinthians, we know that there's this huge passage about love where Paul expounds love and what it looks like. And he says, I could do all these things. I could feed the poor. I could give my clothes to these other people. But if I do not have love, then I have missed the point. The substance, the material that will not burn up is love. And so I ask you this morning, how are you loving people? How are you loving Jesus? You want to see one of the... Oh, I'm in the red now. Bear with each other's faults. Chuck that, chuck that one back up. How are you loving people? One of the signs of the, the last days, Paul says to Timothy, if you read that, he says, in these last days, there will be people who will be lovers of self, lovers of money, who will not love others, who will love this and love that. Look at the amount of times he says love in that passage. What is, what is a sign of the last days is a lack of love. It's, a, it's an inward love. It's a love for self and for the material rather than a love for God and a love for people. So I challenge you this morning, how would you live in love in light of eternity? Hey, JL. In light of that tent. You got this tent for, I don't know how long. No one in this room would know how long. But what are you going to do with the tent that you've been given? What are you going to do with the time that you've been given, the talents you've been given? We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.